also know for sure that um, if Lorraine didn't exist, uh, projects would be struggling a bit more. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of B1 Bytes. This week we have some very special guests with us, our two Vice Presidents of Consulting, Pranav and Lorraine. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. To start off, can each of you guys give us a quick introduction of yourselves? Uh, yep, I'm Pranav, uh, one of the VPCs alongside Lorraine. Uh, I'm a fourth year Echo Finance student and I've been in B1 or around B1 for this my third year now. Hi everyone, I'm Lorraine, so I'm the co-VPC for this year. Um, I'm currently a second year Bachelor of Commerce student, uh, majoring in economics and finance, and this is my second year counting, yes. Yeah, so I guess um, the question that first jumps out to anyone who's ever been on any club is like, why did you join it? Or as an interview question, like, it's always asked, why, why did you want to join the club? I would love to get your perspective, not only sort of now on why did you choose to join back when you did, but also um, what do you think the reason that people, people, other people join B1 is? I have quite an interesting story um, because I joined B1 totally by coincidence and I've told this story to a lot of people in B1. Um, one of my friends was actually really interested in some of the commerce clubs. So on orientation day, he actually dragged all of us to the stalls. And I sort of was just there like, you know what, I have no one to talk to. Let's just see like which <laughs> stall is free. And so it happened to be that Carly, our current president, was at the stall of B1. And I was like, you know what, let's go talk to her. So I was like, hey, like, what's this about? I had zero interest in B1. I didn't know what consulting was um, because my ultimate like career goal was not commerce or consulting. But I had a chat with her and she told me about like what you can gain from coming to V1, you know, all the skills, all of the experience and the people you'll meet. And so when she sent me to the application link, I had a read of like what the project consultant role was about. And I just thought, you know, let's just give it a go. Yeah. I'll just give it a try, um, try. And I applied and so made it through the rounds. And then progressively, I was like, you know what, let's keep doing this. Let's see how far I can get. Um, and then when I made it, I was like... I guess I'm committed now. So that's a bit about how I joined. I would say the reason I think most people join nowadays is probably a little bit different to why I joined because a lot of the applicants that I've spoken with in the last few semesters, they already know people in B1 and they know about the culture, um, what you can learn from joining B1. And I think it's really good to see that the name of B1 is spreading, um, not only in like the commerce faculty, but also in faculties such as science and arts. So yeah, I think it's all about the community that we're building and the fact that it's a great place to learn whilst making friends. Uh, I think for me, my, my story isn't as compelling at all. Um, I was interested in doing something outside of my degree. So I looked towards clubs and I'd been in part of a couple clubs before. And, but uh, I kind of looked at Business One and some other consulting clubs, uh, particularly because I thought it was a good way to apply some of the skills I was learning in the classroom. Uh, turns out consulting is very different to the classroom. But um, the reason I ended up joining Business One in particular, and it was actually the only consulting club I applied for, was because I went to the welcome night and they were the only club which really expressed how much they cared about culture and how much, they, how much time they invested in it. So um, as someone who really, really values um, the people around me uh, and making sure that I'm happy where I am, uh, it ended up being the only club I applied for. Uh, somehow, thankfully, uh, I made it through all the rounds as well. Um, unlike Lorraine, though, I started in Spons uh, and stayed there for a year before I came over to Projects. 
I feel like um, both Ezra and I really resonate with both your answers because we had like very similar experiences. Um, I remember at welcome night, I like spoke to Lorraine yeah. <laughs> and I was like talking through it and I like immediately one of the drawing points of B1 was also the culture for me. Um, so that's really cool. We wanted to ask more so about like, given that you guys have been in B1 much longer than we have, has B1 always been like super diverse in all the bachelors and have you has it always been like a lot of different like personalities and people all coming together? Um, yep, so uh, this, is my th- this marks my third year in B1 and I've seen the club change a lot. Uh, no, it was not always this diverse. When I first came, it was, it was for the most part, um, all commerce students. There was a couple um, others like biomed, uh, some science students as well. Uh, but they were treated as like a shiny in Pokemon. Uh, they were like very looked at uh, strangely and they're like, what are you doing here? Um, appreciated nonetheless, but over time, I think we've seen it shift quite a bit uh, and we see a lot more people with like STEM backgrounds, some arts, uh, Victor representing the design kids um, alone. Um, but yeah, I think it's changed drastically. Do you think that that's true of consulting firms in industry as well? Because what I've heard or what I've been told is that consulting firms are actually looking to diversify, move away from the BCom, and that we're seeing a lot more arts and, and science. Is that true? Uh, I, I don't think moving away from BCom is the right way to put it uh, because that makes it sound like you're disadvantaged if you have a BCom degree. Um, it's more like consulting firms are now understanding the benefits of diverse thinking and opinions. Uh, and generally, you see a very, very, like, the way a engineering student uh, approaches a business problem is very different to a uh, commerce, um, you know, student. Uh, I, the specific example I can give is, like, engineering students are very technical, uh, very, um, you know, kind of solution-oriented, uh, focused on going about solving the problem in the most structured way possible, uh, whereas commerce students are more considered with, like, the bottom line number, uh, how it affects profits, costs, revenues. Um, so it's a bit different. Uh, I was, I remember when I was a sponsor director, one of the most disheartening moments of my commerce time in commerce was speaking to uh, one of the people like, in charge of hiring, and they told me that, like, yeah, uh, commerce students are great, but we really prefer uh, looking at uh, more engineering and STEM <laughs> backgrounds because they just have such a diverse way of thinking. Uh, and me being a sponsor director, making sure I have to manage this relationship, just had to blindly agree with them. I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, they're, they're really creative and the way they approach problem solving is like really interesting. Uh, and after, after the call, I shut down my laptop and just had to think about whether commerce was right for me. Yeah. Um, but I'm still um, here. Specifically, so. since both of you have like worked your way through from being a PC to a PL and now BPCs, what has it been like working on projects And how do you think being a VPC is different to being a PC or a PL? Sure. So I think joining as a PC, you get to focus on a lot of a more like technical side of things when it comes to the project, specifically like, you know, primary research, how to gather good data, things like financial modelling. You learn the basics and the fundamentals to consulting, such as slide deck making, what is good communication. Um, As you progress to PL, at least in my own experience, it became very soft skills oriented. I learned a lot more about what it means to be a good leader, how to manage a team, how to account for diverse perspectives and work with people that have different working styles. 
I learned about a lot about myself and like my own, I guess, flaws and insecurities as a leader. And so a lot of my personal growth came from a management or like a leadership perspective rather than learning how to build like consulting skills, even though I think I still learned a lot in terms of financial modeling and stuff, but it was more learning about how to learn from others. That sounds very repetitive, but I think, yeah, you get the point. Um, as a VPC, the soft skills part is even more true and the management part is even more true because now you're no longer just, you know, working with a team. You're working with three different teams. In your unit, you have to pay attention to what the needs of, I guess, the PL as well as the PCs are. So it's like two levels, right? And at the same time, you need to understand um, how to build connections and relationships with external stakeholders for trainings. You need to cater to the needs of spawns, give them enough time. Um, when it comes to like booking or arranging things, you have to take a bit more of a macro perspective. And I would say I learned more about how to work with just even more people and what being a good leader is truly about. So it's, it's very like hands off the project. Um, and it's a lot more people oriented, which I personally love. But I think, you know, there's both the benefits and also the challenges that come with this role. Yeah, uh, I think I, I agree with everything Lorraine said. But um, just to add on to that, I think uh, out of the three roles, PC, PL and VPC, I, I would say PL is perhaps the most rewarding role. Uh, we've seen in the past some VPCs step up and they, they think about wanting to go back to PL. Uh, but at that point, it's a bit too late and a bit too awkward to go back. But the main reason for that is because when you're a PL, um, you're, you're more focused on your project and you're wholly responsible for your project. Uh, you're also responsible for the four PCs underneath you. So you kind of get that perfect mix of being very people-oriented, leadership skills, soft skills, development, but also you know that hard focus on work and making sure you're producing quality content for, uh, for your client. I think I've always thought about how uni, uni clubs are unique in the sense that I suppose that's really the, the benefit of, of joining a club, especially a consulting club, isn't it? That uh, you do get to get that experience in rapid succession and build your yeah, soft skills um, as well as your, your uh, hard skills as well, I suppose. I would like to know, and jumping off of the sort of project leader um, mentality, I suppose, how do you guys work on measuring the success of a project? Are there any like metrics or is it more sort of a... Um, relationship type of thing, like an interpersonal connection with the client? I don't think we have any hard like metrics or things we measure particularly, but I think the way I view a successful project is uh, everyone's happy, yeah. uh, which which sounds very simple, but I think it's a, there's a lot of complexity to it um, in the sense that there's, there's always this very unique balance you get in university clubs when it comes to consulting, uh, which professional services or uh, professional firms don't have. Uh, which is that there's, it's really important that we deliver a very great experience for, for the PCs um, and the PLs, of course, uh, and also produce something that's you know, of value to the client. Whereas in the professional world, um, you know, value to the client takes priority above most things. Um, obviously, employee satisfaction is important, but not to the degree as it is probably here. Uh, because if people aren't happy here, they can very much leave. Yeah. They're not getting paid. Um, so I think uh, if all the PCs are really happy with the work they've done, uh, and we generally see that, like, um, see the quality of the work and the satisfaction of the PCs, like, very closely tied together, uh, then generally that's a good sign, um, and chances are that's a good project. 
Yeah, I would echo most of what Pranav says. Um, just to add on to that, I think for me, something I realised after being a PL is that if your PCs feel like they want to continue, um, I guess, like, you know, progressing in the club, that is a really, really good sign. If they say, I've had, you know, I've learned so much as a PC, I want to progress to PL, or I want to keep contributing to projects, it's a sign that they think that they've learned a lot in their role and they're ready to move on to the next stage. When you, um, not to say when you move from like, you know, a different team to another team, it's a sign that you don't like what you're doing. But I've been really glad that a lot of my PCs from last semester have progressed to project leader. Um, it shows to me that I've not done my job, but I've been like a good enough role model for them to say, oh, you know, this is this is a role I want to experience as well. So that makes me really happy. And at the same time, from a client perspective, when you get their feedback, often you'll hear things like, this is exceeding our expectation. Like we didn't, when we first collaborated, we really didn't think that this was the quality of work you'd produce. Like we can put this in an investor slide deck or something like that. And like hearing all of that really sincere comment, during a client debrief makes you realize, wow, we've really made an impact and we've changed their perspective on working with students for a consulting project. And then, you know, then you see all of like the LinkedIn testimonials or whatever, which is like great. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's how I'd measure if a project is successful. Uh, I think uh, B1 has progressed to the point where we care so much more about student satisfaction than uh, client satisfaction because I think the quality of work we're producing for clients is like just elevated each year to a point where I think we're almost always going to surprise clients with the quality of work we can produce as students, um, which is why, you know, you do get that uh, feedback all the time about, oh, we didn't expect this. Like we were just treating this as like some charity work um, just to get students involved. Uh, we didn't actually expect something very tangible to come out of it. And on that note of sort of ex exceeding client expectations, being students, um, and you sort of mentioned charity there as well, why do you think that startups do actually choose to use B1's consulting? Like, what is their incentive? Because from, as an outsider perspective, when I was coming into the club, I sort of had this notion that, okay, like, I can see how businesses would want a younger student perspective, maybe someone who's fresh, who doesn't have the inherent perhaps biases of, of, of an industry or something like that. Uh, can you speak to any other reasons why you think that startups might choose to use B1's consulting? Um, for me, I think because during a lot of the project acquisition phase, we often get asked the question is like, you know, why should we work with you? Something along the lines of that. My idea of why startups would want to work with uh, consulting clubs is because when it comes to university students, yes, we have a fresh and new perspective, but we also have a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of commitment to whatever project we choose that you might not see in the workforce, despite the fact that we're not getting paid. Like for a lot of people, this is their first time interacting with real life clients, um, you know, very closely handling information, data, and trying to help a business succeed. And when, when you think about the motivations behind that, you realise that people who feel this way will often produce really high quality work and because they have a very high willingness to learn. Um, and so one of the 
startups that we actually spoke to during the project acquisition phase. They were like, we're really excited to bring all of these students on board to let them learn about our product and the degree of enthusiasm, passion for whatever project they choose is just makes it really easy to work with. Um, so I think our members all bring, yes, very valuable perspectives, but also just the way they interact with the client and the fact that, you know, we're like the future of the workforce or whatever because we're so young um, means it's really, yeah, like a really good experience for the client as well. Um, just to add on that, there are a couple other reasons why I think uh, a lot of startups do decide to work with us. So for, for a lot of projects we've seen in the past and even today, uh, a lot of clients, their actual main target audience uh, or the main consumer of their products are younger people. So it kind of helps to have younger people consult for you essentially, because they're essentially consulting for themselves. <laughs> like, what would I want to, in a product? Um, uh, are the kind of questions they're asking themselves. And that's a lot easier to answer compared to someone who's, you know, out of that demographic, someone who's, like, potentially middle-aged, and they're asking, like, oh, what do what do the youngins like? Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that. The other thing is uh, a lot of startups, actually, um, they are interested in doing some work in a new area or in a new field. They want to explore a new market, potentially. And because startups are very busy and you know bossing with the atmosphere and there's so many things happening around uh people do get lost and kind of like put that on the back burner all the time so it's a great opportunity for them to kind of bring that to the forefront and have people working on that um and kind of doing that laying the groundwork for you know future future growth in that area so that's another reason we see startups work with us a lot Pranav, I know you originally specifically worked with UP on a consulting project and you actually ended up working yeah, with them. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yep. So I, I was actually working with them for almost <laughs> six months uh, before I did the project. And then after the project, I, I stayed for about a month longer before I left. Um, so... Yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, so I started off working there, and the way I ended up starting is in, at the end of my second year, I actually didn't have an internship lined up, uh, which was kind of disappointing. And, you know, I was just sitting around at home twiddling my thumbs, uh, being like, damn, all my friends are at, like, Deloitte, like, <laughs> like you know, all, all the big names. Uh, so I'm like, okay, what can I do? Um, so I heeded the advice of a good friend of mine, and he's like, he told me that, hey, just reach out to people, see if generalist roles are available in like startups or companies that interest you. Um, I only ended up reaching out to one because I was lazy, uh, but I got lucky, and that company was up. Uh, and then came back to me, and they told me that there was a support role available, uh, which was particularly interesting because you had a chance to kind of work on the product, give feedback about what customers were doing and stuff like that. Um, and have an insight into like how tech companies essentially operate because Up is uh, Ferocia, which is the parent company of Up, um, is essentially a tech company which creates um, the app for Bendigo Bank as well. Um, so I took that job, uh, learned a lot about support, learned a lot about how companies operate, uh, particularly like smaller companies. Um, very startup atmosphere, still there uh, for sure, even though they were acquired by Bendigo. Um, and yeah, it was just a really good atmosphere and I had a, the opportunity to learn a lot. Um, so when I became a PL uh, during project acquisition, um, got a bit unlucky. Uh, no one I reached out to responded. Uh, I was a bit upset and then, uh, so I just took my chances and I said, I dropped it into the Slack channel and the general channel like, hey, um, I, I spend my time outside of up at this place uh, as well as uni. 
uh, and you know we're looking for clients to consult for. Here's the kind of work we've done. Uh, and after explaining to them that you know the, we get paid in experience uh, because they they threw up uh, concerns around the idea of us not getting paid. Um, but after sorting that out, I found myself in a meeting uh, with the CEO, the CTO, and the CFO. Um, which is, you know, a very big thing. Yeah. It's pretty funny. You don't see the three of them together, especially for, like, just a young university <laughs> student. Uh, so I kind of pitched the idea of doing a project around a new superannuation product um, because I'd spoken to the product team the week prior to that, uh, and I'd asked them, hey, what are things you want to work on but you haven't had the chance? Uh, so something I mentioned earlier was, you know, companies wanting students to do things that they didn't have the time to do yet. Uh, and they said superannuation. So essentially the project was about creating a superannuation product, um, particularly what it would look like in app and more what the experience would be for the end user. Uh, so there was a lot of UI UX design elements, uh, a lot of creativity involved, a bit of market research in terms of, you know, how young people treat their super or, you know, lack attention to their super uh, and how we can go about solving those issues, making it engaging, making it more fun, um, getting new customers potentially as well. So yeah, that was a, that was a very fun project. Um, and after that project concluded, uh, my time at Op shortly concluded as well because um, I wanted to move on to doing different things uh, outside of support. What would you say is like the most interesting in terms of having both perspectives, both working at UP and consulting for UP as a more outside perspective? Uh, so it, it's a bit of an interesting one because it felt like there was so many more stakeholders involved uh, in the sense that like, oh, I both am the company I'm consulting for, but I'm also the consultant consulting for the company. Um, so kind of balancing that and getting the making sure that the PC is underneath me like new... Uh, and we're getting involved and we're still learning things and I wasn't giving them all the answers just because I'd work there. Um, was an interesting balance to take. I would say the the biggest difference is um, when you're when you're external to the company, uh, you don't have a insight into how the day-to-day -day operations look like. And a lot of this like little tidbits of information that you generally get passively whilst working at a company you don't have when you're consulting for them. Uh, which is why, you know, sometimes you can have, like, awkward meetings where you spend, like, two weeks devising this, like, very comprehensive strategy on how to approach a problem. And within the first two minutes, the client's like, mm, that's a that's a great idea. Unfortunately, that won't quite work for us. <laughs> and and then now you have a one-hour meeting scheduled where in five minutes it's gone kaput. So, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest difference. Could you, um, I would love to know, like, could you speak to, like, what the sell is like, like you talked about being in the room with all of those executives. How how do you sell that? Like, what do you do? Uh, just a just a lot of confidence and belief that yeah. one produces good work. Uh, so I think for me, uh, I I had a bit of a personal stake. Uh, I don't know how much I want to say this, but I was really interested in some of the other roles at the company at the time. So I was very much motivated, uh, and I think they kind of knew as well. But um, the sell was kind of like, um, hey, like. I know that you want to create the superannuation product. I also know that your product team is incredibly busy right now pushing out things like home loans and other big features which are on the horizon at the time. Uh, so you know who would be perfect to kind of scope out that area? <laughs> students. Do you know which particular students? One which works for you right now. Uh, as well as a team of, another team of uh, four people extra beyond me. Uh, which will, you know, put in some good quality work, uh, give you great insights, 
Um, and I th actually think the biggest sell outside of me, uh, <laughs> which honestly wasn't that big, uh, was uh, doing some primary research. So a lot of these people don't have time to go out and interview university students face-to-face uh, -face or over Zoom even. Uh, so when we, when we brought up the idea of doing primary research and getting like, you know, first-hand information from people, uh, which your product is hopefully going to impact, uh, I think that was the big sell for them. And branching off, off with that idea, um, Lorraine, I would actually love to know as well. So you've got spent a bit of time um, in the debating space. And given we're sort of talking about communication, could you sort of speak to the importance of communication and, and maybe the sell as well when you're talking to clients and within the club? What I learned from debating was when you communicate with someone or with an audience, you want to simplify it, but make it very concise and very clear what you're trying to address. Now, I think the difference between debating communication and like consulting communication is during debating, you can forget about the formalities and you can forget about, you know, whether it sounds the most professional. Um, if you're trying to argue for whatever opinion or whatever side you have, you're allowed to sound very passionate and very, a little bit aggressive, I'd say. When you're communicating with a client, um, and this is like a really big thing is often, you know, our clients are very busy and they might not respond as fast as you would like them to. And so part of it is like bumping them. How would I check up in a very polite manner? And so my experience as a PL made me realize the importance of being empathetic and like understanding what the client's point of view is. And so communicating it to them in a way that both addresses what you need and also um, makes it sound like you understand what their position is. So I learned a lot about how it is to communicate professionally and the importance of making other people feel at ease and feel comfortable when talking with you. Um, I think building that relationship was really important for my project because towards the end, we saw a lot of communication. And because I was able to establish a very sort of friendly banter, but also just a polite and professional relationship, towards the end, it got very easy and our client knew what we needed and it was very just lighthearted communication at times as well. Something else I think the importance of communicating is when it comes to like presenting your ideas, um, whether this be at the final presentation or even just your client meetings, is you want to let the client know what your insights or recommendations are first before you sort of back it up with um, evidence or any sort of supporting information you have. Because once again, like their time is limited. They want to hear an answer. And this also came up in a lot of um, what we're doing this semester where the client was like, we don't really want to know your process. Like we, we are interested, but we're more interested in just what your answer is. Like what is it that you found out? So this is like top-down communication, right? Like you tell them what you found out and then you tell them how or why or whatever other reasons you have. And it just saves a lot of time and a lot of effort. And it gives them more context than building it from like the ground up, even though I think that's still a really good way of communicating when it's necessary. When it comes to, I guess, selling a project or selling B1, um, and I can't really speak on this as much as Pranav because he was in the spons role and that's a lot about selling, but it's understanding the value proposition of, you know, business one or your team or whatever you can offer really, really well and being able to convey it across sincerely and not make it sound like it's very superficial. Like, you know, 
oh, yeah, like we're going to be doing this and blah, blah, blah. You need to believe in what you're doing. You need to believe in your goal and your mission um, to make it sound convincing to them. So a lot of the project acquisition phase, you know, when I was in meetings with startups and they would ask me like, okay, what makes your team so special? I really believe that our committee could do like really, really high quality work. And so I could speak a lot about my own experience. I was like, you know, in the last project, this is sort of what we saw. This is the experience that the client had. And so when you believe in what you're saying, then that makes it sound really persuasive. In terms of like being in B1, both being VPCs, what is it like working in a team of two leaders? Okay, so I will, let, I will just start off by talking about how Pranav and I got to know each other, like became friends. I actually had zero communication with him in the first semester I joined. Absolutely no idea who he was. The only thing I knew was, oh, he's someone who came to our meeting to listen to what we do. Interesting. And then second semester rolled around, we both became the new PLs. And I think it was on one of the days where we had like a marketing video to film. I saw Pranav at the tram stop. I was like, hey, how's it going? You know, very small talk, like, oh, like, isn't it great that we're both PLs? This is, you know, didn't understand the um, established, like what's going to happen in the future. I did not foresee any of that. But I think because we were both new PLs, we had a lot of, um, and we were also in the same unit, we had a lot of cross-communication, and I got to hear a lot about what he was up to in his project, and he did as well for my own project. And even at the start, we were both super passionate about acquiring a good project because it was our first time, and so we were both like, oh yes, we want this project, whatever, whatever. And there was a little bit of like, who's going to get this project that the client is already wanting to collaborate with B1 on? And... By the way, I ended up getting it because he ended up working with Up, but um, it was, yeah, it was good. And then so afterwards, when we both became VPC, I think that is when I really got to understand his working style. It's very, very different from mine. And we both agree whenever it comes to work, organization, like time management or just how we approach a problem, it's very different. Um, and because as VPCs, your duties or your goal is the same, you have the same end goal. I've learned a lot from working with him. I think um, I've understood like why it's important to have diverse perspectives, especially this semester. This semester has really taught me like, you know, sometimes having just one way of thinking about a problem is not going to be the best way. And so having his perspective on how we should approach it, I always ask him like, okay, how do you think I should do this? So like, do you think this is fine? Like, this is the training, you know, sheet that, um, our sponsor has sent me, do you think I need to add anything else? So it's always about communicating with um, Pranav and understanding his opinion. And that allows you to come up with a very comprehensive um, solution or idea or recommendation or whatever. And yeah, I've learned a lot. It's been a really good time. So that's my own story, I guess. I think the, the question is a bit unfair um, <laughs> in, in the sense that, uh, yes, Lorraine and I have work very closely together in terms of, um, you know, making sure projects are taken care of. Uh, but all of the execs are pretty close and they work together quite often. So we'll often have like Sinead or Carly or the uh, Darren even, our uh, Jade of course, um, you know, pitch in with ideas in terms of the project side of things or how we should approach things as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not always just us two. Yeah. But when it is, um, <laughs> uh, uh, what we do really well is create a very strong dichotomy of um, approach. Um, and it kind of leads to, well, I suppose it does lead to like much better outcomes. 
uh, I also know for sure that um, if Lorraine didn't exist, uh, projects would be struggling a bit more. <laughs> I should probably do this, and they're like, bam, it's already done. Um, I think uh, that's where Lorraine shines. Uh, Lorraine's also really good at like structuring meetings, um, making things, making sure things are efficient in terms of time. Uh, so she's generally the one creating run sheets. Uh, I think where I provide value is just um, probably damn, it's hard. <laughs> uh, I would say I would say uh, I think I'd like to think I'm a bit more creative in terms of um, new initiatives, uh, ideating them, uh, implementing them, and pushing for them. Uh, so I enjoy selling things. So and one of the things I enjoy selling the most is new ideas, which is why I think we create a really good partnership. This brings me to a really recent conversation I had with Pranav, which is the fact that, I don't know if this is surprising, I run unit meetings, which is where, for example, you have all your 3PLs come together, talk about like their updates and stuff. Pranav doesn't have unit meetings. He has individual meetings with PLs. And I think, I didn't know this until very recently, because I thought that unit meetings was just like a standardised thing across like VPCs. So that itself says a lot about our leadership styles. I think for me, I... I like the idea of group meetings because I think you get to hear about what other people have been doing and learn from that. I think Pranav likes a bit more of a personalised leadership approach, which is, you know, tailoring whatever um, recommendation or feedback he has to the particular PL in question. Management styles, I think he's more laid back than I am. <laughs> I, we were talking about this the other day, but if we had to pick between like a, what's the word, like a more straightforward P P VPC and, like, a more fun VPC. Well, I forgot what it was. Do you remember? Is this uh, an FBA? Yeah. It was, like, if there was one that was a fun VPC and another one that was, like, a strict VPC or whatever, it would be me who's the strict VPC and he would be the fun <laughs> VPC. Um, and I think that's just because, for me, like, when I talk about work or whatever it comes to be one, I'm often very straightforward my, with my approach. And I was actually talking to my PLs about this the other day. I'm quite inquisitive. So I'll be asking like, you know, how's this particular part going? Like, you know, what is this up to? Um, and I understand that that sometimes can sound a little bit like very, oh, so like, you know, you want to hear too much about what they're doing, um, a bit too hands-on. But that's how I like to be updated. And I feel like it makes me I don't know. You can speak for yourself. I don't want to speak for you. <laughs> I suppose in good cop, bad cop terms, Lorraine's the kind of interrogator where she walks in, there's a swimming, there's a swinging light bulb at the top. It's a dark room. The person's just there standing, looking up to Lorraine as she's like asking question after question about how their project is going. Um, with me and my PLs, I, I walk into, think of like a room full of light, sunshines, rainbows. Like, <laughs> I come in with a donut and be like, what's up? <laughs> like, um... Uh, I think that does it a bit of injustice, but um, yeah, I, I am I am a bit more laid back, but I think uh, I try read between the lines with my PLs, and uh, I think that's easier to do when you have one-on-one -on -one meetings, because uh, you know you can ask a PL, oh, how's this specific aspect going, and they're like, it's great, and I'm like, what was that pause? <laughs> like, what's going on there? Um, so yeah, I think uh, that personalized touch, and um, I view I view leadership as more growing people. Uh, which is why I think uh, me as a leader, I'm more effective when working individually one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and I, I hope, at least for PLs, they get that kind of group um, group work within, within their teams as opposed to with other PLs. I was just going to build on that because I think part of my own leadership style comes from my experience as a PL, which is the fact that I learned so much 
from other PLs. So that is also um, what I've been trying to push this semester, which is like allowing PLs to learn from each other. Because as you can see, everyone has very different leadership styles. So even getting the a little bit of insight into how someone else has been running their team or whatever approach they've been taking to solve the problem, I think would be really beneficial. And so that has been driving a lot of what I do. So sort of moving away from the leadership, uh, just taking it back to just being a project consultant, it's a, it's a simple question, but I think it's one that is, is useful for anyone who is perhaps interested in consulting or interested in the student consulting space. Um, cliche, but what are the important qualities for just a successful consultant? Because that's the starting point, right? Like you guys are obviously developed to the point where you're VPCs, but you have to start somewhere. And I think it's worth speaking to successful qualities. Pranav will definitely add to um, the qualities that I'm about to mention. For me, the key ones are, so number one, I think communication is super important. You communicate with the client, you communicate with your team, um, you communicate to present your ideas. Second one, and this is something I feel more recently, is working in ambiguity or working with ambiguity. Because when you consult, sometimes the space, like for example, if we're doing a market entry sort of um, project, then you don't actually know what to expect. And so a lot of it is about working with the unknown and uh, being able to be flexible with whatever approach you have. You know, if this doesn't work, then you, be, you have to be ready to pivot to something else. Otherwise, you're kind of stuck. So yeah, that would be the second one. The third one for me is um, willingness to learn because when it comes to consulting, there are just so many projects, so many different businesses. You will not have a project that is the same. And so if you're not willing to learn about new industries, about new markets, about the company, then it's really hard for you to succeed. Um, there's just so, like the learning curve for every single project is really steep. So that needs to be an established mindset when you join as a consultant. Yeah, uh, I suppose uh, in consulting in general, I think one of the most important things that we look for, and I'm pretty sure I'd like to think professional companies and firms look for as well, is an open mind uh, in, and kind of an elastic mind uh, in the sense that people don't have a fixed mindset uh, and are willing to kind of look at way, look at problems, particularly business problems in this case, um, differently uh, and approach it in a structured way still. Uh, I think that's probably the most important thing. Uh, consultants, the best description of a consultant I've heard is they're just uh, minds which are for hire for businesses. Um, and the reason that that's useful is because those minds are you know, structured in, su in such a way that they can create value wherever they go, regardless of the industry and the company. Um, and in order to develop that mindset here or anywhere, even in, even in the professional world, you have to be open to learn. Uh, and, you know, make sure that you're not too anchored in the way you think or approaching things you've learned before and just keep on reusing the same information over and over again. I wanted to quickly ask, because I feel like a lot of people have, um, like, a lot of perceptions about you guys being, like, super organised and super on top of your things. How do you manage both the workload of being a VBC and all your other commitments? My experience is going to be different from Pranav, like vastly, because also just like our commitments are very different. So I really like establishing a routine. So anyone who knows me, I like having a set schedule every single day. Like what I need to get done today is going to get done today. Um, for me, 
this is about, you know, just knowing exactly what tasks I want to do today, listing them out literally like on a, um, a document or something and then ticking them off as I go. So I have a little to-do list every single day. Um, someone asked me once, do you have a distinct time for B1? Like, do you say, okay, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm going to work on B1 and then Thursday, Friday, I'm not going to. For me, that's, I don't, I don't do that because I realize that a lot of things come and go. Um, and if I pick like days to work on B1 and days to work on uni, it just doesn't work for me. So I just like merging everything together and doing what I need to do on a daily basis. Um, some other things is like when it comes to time management for me, I just do it. <laughs> so if I have something that needs to be done, instead of pushing it back and thinking like, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it the day after. If I have the time to, I'll get it done like then because I think it's the most effective and it's on my mind. Um, and also knowing like what's important and what's a priority. Yeah, for me, I always try and make sure that what is important gets done um, first. And often that like is what is a priority to me. But I try and just stay organised by not procrastinating, which is really hard. Um, but when I have days where I'm very free, I'll try and do more work if I can foresee that next week is going to be really busy. So that happened with mid-semester, which was like I knew that the next week I would have like a lot of B1 stuff, so I would do some of the uni stuff that I could that week first. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Lorraine's right. We are very different. Uh, I'm a lot more casual. Uh, the only thing I keep in mind uh, or write down, I suppose, is the due dates of when things need to happen. Uh, outside of that, I kind of just go with the flow and everything ends up getting done. The only time where I would be a little bit more structured and um, I, I suppose you could argue more organized is when I'm a bit more stressed. So when I feel like I'm stressed, that's when I'll really start kind of blocking things out on my calendar and figuring out when to do things uh, uh, because I feel like I need that to calm me down and tell me that like, you know, everything's still doable. I still have plenty of time. Um, but generally day to day, more often than not, it's just I'll do things as they come up and then and then move on to the next thing. For the last part of our podcast, we're, we're going to do a quick, like, rapid-fire hot seat of who would be more likely to. So the first one is, who is the better BPC? It's a, it's a, it's a hard question. I think depending on who you ask, um, e.g. everyone in B1, they'll probably say me. Um, <laughs> if you ask Lorraine, she'll probably say herself. <laughs> That's my answer. I mean, if you look at the surveys that Pranav's put out, it's always like, who's your favourite VPC? Pranav, not Lorraine. So I'm not really an option. Um, yeah, that kind of answers the question for itself. <laughs> Numbers don't lie. <laughs> Next, who's more likely to annoy one of the execs? Oh, 100% Pranav. Uh, 100%. <laughs> like, you don't even need to ask that question. Uh, it's like not even most likely. Who has annoyed the other execs? And that's just me. Um, can, can we maybe say this? We had a feedback session for execs. <laughs> and it was so funny because we had to, like, compliment each other before we give feedback. And then, like, one of the compliments Pranav got was, like, I love how you're so opinionated. <laughs> and I was just like, wait, is that... I think it was worded worse than that, actually. Yeah, I think was. the exact quote was... <clears throat> I love that you have an opinion on, on everything. everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, that's, is, that, is that the compliment? <laughs> Who is more likely to forget to do something urgent? Pranav. <laughs> Sorry. Who is more likely to forget a close friend's birthday? Also me. Yeah. <laughs> also me, 100%. Who is more likely to give advice but not take their own? I think that's me. I think that's Lorraine. Yeah, I think yeah. that's me. Yeah. Lorraine is great at 
giving advice, I'd like to think. Um, but um, I don't know. Very bad at implementing my own advice. No, that's actually true. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> Who is more likely to end up working in a foreign country? Oh, I think that's me. I think... Um, Actually, no, it I, I think it depends how you look at it. If you're looking yeah. at it like, oh, who's like in a very like normal career path uh, way, then it's definitely Lorraine because uh, you want to do. I want to do international law, so yeah. yeah well, uh, I think if you look at it from the perspective of like who's just gonna randomly drop off the uh-huh. <laughs> and end up in like South America, like doing something, yeah, I think that's probably yeah. me. Yeah. Pranav, Lorraine, thank you so much for coming on another episode of B One Bites. We really appreciate the insight, especially from uh, a VPC perspective. So thank you guys. Thank you so much for having us. See you guys next episode. Bye.